Adjusted Reality, a podcast series trusted by the adjusted and brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, where we learn from athletes, celebrities, influencers, and healthcare professionals about how to optimize health in a very fun and relatable way. Join me, Dr. Sherry McAllister, as I speak to Dr. Heidi Havik about the brain and how it plays a role in our health. Remember, Dr. Heidi Havik was with us before. She is a PhD in human neurophysiology from the University of Auckland. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Reality Check, a quest to understand what happens in the brain as it relates to the spine. She also runs a company with the mission of enlightening the world about the science of chiropractic. And you can learn more there at therealitycheck.com. She was such a tremendous hit on our first podcast. We had to bring her back. If you recalled, and if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and listen to it because it was chock full of important information. We talked about stress. We talked about ways to which we can enlighten and optimize our own health in regards to how the brain works. And now we want to start talking about really getting deeper into the way the brain controls the spine. So Dr. Heidi, I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you, Sherry. Lovely to be back. Let's jump in because you had a lot in that first podcast. And I think today what we really need to look at is tell us more because we got a lot about the prefrontal cortex and a lot about how we can control that dishwasher stuff that we talked about too. It's fun and it's relatable to the audience, but tell us how does the brain actually control the spine? Yeah, I get asked this a lot, you know, how can, you know, like this little chiropractic adjustment, how can that actually change pain in the spine? Well, to understand that, you really need to understand how the brain actually controls your spine and your posture and your movement. And it does that by sensing from little muscles close to the spine and skull, it senses what's going on at the spinal level. And it's tiny little muscles that cross individual spinal bones, what we call vertebra. So these little muscles might cross one or two vertebra and the brain uses these little muscles. They're they're deep, they're closest to the spine and skull. It senses from these muscles what's going on. So if, if the spinal bones moving, then it's getting, these little muscles are being stretched and that's how the brain knows what's going on at that level of the spine. Then it tells the bigger muscles to contract and move. And what we really want our spine to do, it's actually very simple. We either want our spine to stiffen up if, for example, we're lifting a heavy load and then the stiffening up of the spinal muscles protects the spine from injuries. Or if, for example, we're moving like we're going out for a little jog or a run or a walk, then we actually want our spinal bones to move. And again, the brain then knows what you're wanting to do. It senses what's going on from those little deep muscles close to the spine and skull. And then it tells the bigger muscles to either move or stiffen up to the right degree at the right time. That's literally how the brain controls spinal movement. That was epic in in understanding for the the consumer out there for the first time that so much of what we do during our day, we never think about how the brain is actually moving with the spine. So I think you put it in a very important um, way. Tell me as, as you go through and you've done a lot of research in um, human neurophysiology and we've talked in our past podcast a little bit about stress, but 
Can you kind of dive in a little deeper? Because a lot of our audience really needed more, and that's what they were asking for after the first podcast. Tell us more about how stress is impacting the brain and a little bit about how the brain controls that, that spine. Well, this is really fascinating, Sherry, because what we know can happen is if you go through one of those stressful events, like we talked about last time, that turns off the prefrontal cortex, and so your rational brain's gone, and you've gone into your limbic emotional brain, and you're starting to get that high blood pressure and breathing rate and all that sort of stuff, what we also know, has, know happens is that your brain gets mobilized for that fight or flight. So every single time, even if it's, you know, um, something that's just reminded your brain of a past trauma and again you've turned your prefrontal cortex off what happens is your your bigger muscles get primed for fighting or running away and this is just the way we're designed so if there was a saber-toothed tiger you know you would either you know fight the saber-toothed tiger or you'd run away so your brain literally turns on all the big muscles priming them ready for fight or flight but at the same time what's really interesting is that it actually turns off the little muscles close to the spine and skull and those are those little muscles that the brain needs the information from to be able to control the spinal movement patterns appropriately. So over time again, this is bad. So if you've got chronic stress and you're constantly turning off these little muscles, we know they actually atrophy. They become small. We know that they have fatty infiltration. They change their fiber type. There's all these changes in the function of these little muscles close to the spine and skull. This is not a good thing. And there's a lot of research that's exploring this that has shown a correlation between these changes in these little muscles close to the spine and skull and you developing chronic spinal problems. So if you've ended up with back pain, neck pain, headaches, and it's of spinal origin, we, we know that these little changes have taken place in these tiny little muscles. And we know that these are the exact same muscles that we activate when we adjust, when chiropractors adjust the spine. So all of a sudden it's starting to make sense. But because the other thing, if you've been under stress for a while and that your bigger muscles have been primed for fight and flight, if you don't move them, you end up with sore, stiff, tight muscles. And a lot of people end up with these sore, stiff, bigger muscles. So your triceps and biceps and quads and hamstrings, they might be tight and sore and stiff. That is probably because you've been under a lot of pressure. You've been, and, and this could be chronic stress from uh, traumas from your past. And that, that's like catching up with you now because then you haven't exercised enough. You actually need the, the exercise to move these big muscles, to flush out the lactic acid and all the rest of it so that these big muscles don't end up stiff and sore. Like you often end up with poor posture, again, because of chronic stress. But at the same time, what's so interesting is it turns off those little muscles. And if those little muscles have been turned off and they've atrophied, it makes it very difficult for your brain to accurately control your spine. So all of a sudden, it's like, well, no wonder people end up with these chronic spinal problems. And it also explains why you need a longer period of chiropractic care, not just four or five visits. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever tried going to the gym and then you expect to be fully fit and healthy for life after five, five trips to the gym? <laughs> it's, it's funny you just said that, Dr. Heidi, because as you were saying it and you brought up posture, I can tell you right now, I, I actually sat up straighter, but it also gives, it gives you reflection on when you start a new exercise activity and you've been the desk bound individual and all of a sudden you wake up the next morning and you can barely move and yep. it does reflect exactly on what you're talking about 
And let's let's just delve into that with posture now that you're on it, Sherry, because it's a very fascinating one. The brain controls posture. But I don't think people quite realize how detrimental poor posture can be. And I've done a few talks on, on radio and television about this because it's it's actually quite important, especially when you think about children and, and devices, where they literally, you know, they hang their head forward, often on their devices, and our head is as heavy as a bowling ball. So it's, you know, once you've got that forward, it's literally hanging off the connective tissues at the back of your spine and neck. And this isn't very good for people in many ways. And, and if we've got listeners now, tr try this exercise with us. So you too, Sherry. Excellent. Sit up really nice and straight. Really nice and straight. Sit up really nice and straight. Take a big, deep breath in. So. And all you out there listening to this, do the same thing. Sit up straight. Take a big, deep breath in. Feel what that feels like. Now slouch with me. And I mean really slouch. Head forward, really, you know, bend your body over. And again, try to take a deep breath. Like you literally can't. Oh boy, I, I can't do it. It's not happening. <laughs> and that's what's happening to us at a small scale. If we're slouching over a computer, if we're slouching over a smart device, we are not able to breathe properly. And that is the oxygenation of your brain. So that's another thing that we didn't even talk about last time, Sherry. We were talking about brain health last time, a lot of it. And the other thing is we need oxygen to that brain. And it's not just movement. It's also posture. And I wanted that, like little, little tips for little kids, for example, is if they're on smart devices and you see them hanging their heads and you know this is not only be, you know, detrimental for their spinal function, but it's also going to be impacting the oxygenation of their brain, at least get them lying on their tummy so that they've got their smart device out in front of them. Then they have to hold their head up. And that's at least going to be making a difference. Plus, they're going to be able to breathe properly with their diaphragm. That is a very good point. And I know a lot of mothers and fathers out there are seeing their, their children grab those devices younger and younger. And our population is going to be changing in their postural distortion because we, I didn't have a smartphone when I was a young child. And now we're thrusting it into their hands at such a young age, whether it's your school is online or they have a cell phone very early, or we're just trying to keep our, our toddler quiet for just 10 minutes we need to be responsible and really have that moment of practice makes a permanent impact. And that's what they're practicing. If it's if poor posture, it's going to continue. And everything that you have just said is going to be undone. So that breathing and showcasing to them how difficult it is to take that big breath in and just choosing for uh, constant vigilance and uh, being able to recognize poor posture and even sneaking a picture in and saying, look at this picture. This is your posture, right? So yes, but it's the little things that we do every day that matters. And that's why, you know, we were talking about last time too. just get out for a walk. E even if it's only 10 minutes, just get out for a walk, try and get a little bit of meditation in again, even if it's 10 minutes, but just that little bit of practice every day all these little things build up and, that, and they're so much more important than we might realize. And, and some people also think that, oh, 
well, I've already eaten a whole lot of sugar today, so you know it doesn't really matter what I do. But it does, because if you have eaten all that sugar, then make sure you get some good fruit and vegetables so that you get the vitamins and nutrition that, you know, otherwise, because sugar just literally depletes your body of minerals and, and vitamins. So, so you can counterbalance it, you know, and you can also go for a little walk just to activate the brain and get the oxygen and the movement in there that you need. Isn't that the truth? Because so many of us think that it's too late for us. We, we've already let the system become decrepit. And, and I cannot encourage our listeners enough. Listen, if you haven't exercised in a while, that's okay. Today's the day you give some self-love and you allow yourself the opportunity that you can change and that change is but one step away and you just make the conscious first step awareness. Dr. Heidi has brought that to you. Now, Dr. Heidi, you've been fantastic in share, showcasing how that brain really has an impetus on our health. And I know that one of the key pieces that come with changing the way we look at things is the things we look at will change. And that's a piece of where we're at today on this very day for our listeners. They're thinking, well, hey, you know, how do I actually know if my spine is okay? How do I actually know that I'm going to be maximizing my health when I work out? Can you talk to that point about how does one know when it's time to reach out for help versus just trying to do all of these exercise and nutrition and getting better sleep? How do we know when we need a little extra care in our um, life for the future? I think we need to keep in mind that there is this stress continuum. There is this continuum from being very healthy to being full-blown pathology where, where you've got the diseases and conditions. And most of us are somewhere in between. And what's really important to know, which is what you brought up, that you know, we're not lost causes. Even if you're quite far down that continuum, we're not lost causes. You can move backwards towards you know, complete health. A lot of us have given up on that, but it's not the case. You can reverse most of these conditions uh, backwards, but, but obviously it's going to take a little bit of work. When you, but you specifically asked me about how do you know if your spine's going to need a little bit of extra help? or Because or, there's several things that you can do, like there's spinal exercises. There's like Straighten Up, um, I think it's called Straighten Up America or straightenup.com, or you can Google search that. And there's exercises out there that you can do every day. They're very simple, like star jump exercises. You're trying to get the flexion extension into the spine, which is really, really good every day. A lot of yoga moves can be very, very good for the spine as well. So there are, there are things that you can do yourself every day and you can get your kids doing. But if you are noticing that, like some of the research that we've done has shown that uh, people with spinal dysfunction, even before they have pain. So Sherry, they don't even have to be in pain to have spinal dysfunction. Often their, um, their brain's not accurately aware of what's going on. So for example, you might notice this because like you might put your coffee cup down and think that you've put it on the bench, but it falls to the ground. So that, that not completely knowing where your arm is, where your surroundings are, that can be spinal dysfunction. That can be when you probably need to go in and get adjusted because we know that those adjustments from chiropractors improve that accurate awareness of where your body is and where things are around you. Other things that you might notice is that you might knock your elbows in door frames. Mm -hmm. That's your brain not being accurately aware of where your elbows are. You might stub your toe. You might watch your child who at say five years old should have complete control over their, their movements, if they are clumsy, if they keep tripping up over things, you can even see it in younger children. I used to, I used to watch my babies, you know, toddlers, and, 
And mine would like, they would miss the table with millimeters. <laughs> they would know exactly where they were, but then I adjusted them all the time. But then my friend's kids, they would knock their head on the tables and they would bang their elbows and they would trip over their own feet. And, and I mean, my hands just itched. And usually I would ask them in the end, do you mind if I check and adjust your <laughs> I love it. Because I just didn't want them to have to go through because each of those little injuries are like the thousand straws that build up on the camel's back. It's like mm -hmm. sugar. It's, so you don't want, all the little bad stuff at least you want to kind of take them off as you go so if you're noticing that you're a little bit clumsy that like we've even done quite a few studies showing that we increase strength so even just feeling like you're weaker than you should be and i've talked about this with with several people and and they're like so you mean because my, my arms get very heavy i can't hang my washing up on the washing line mm -hmm. if your shoulders feel sore and, and tight like that yes you can get adjusted and you it's like it's not that we're magically making you stronger, but in all of your muscles, you've got, it's like you've got a thousand soldiers in each of your muscles. Mm -hmm. And what we know can go wrong with stress and minor injuries is that you get less and less soldiers doing their job. So all of a sudden you've got like maybe 50 out of a thousand soldiers working in your muscles. And so of course, everything's a little bit more of an effort to be able to hang your washing up. You can get adjusted and you can boom, switch on again, all 800 or eight, you, normally you don't use all your soldiers. You know, you keep a little reserve. You know, you get, but if you've suddenly got 800 soldiers doing the job instead of 50, it's much easier and it takes much less effort. And again, this even works if you're a sports person. We've even shown like in highly trained Olympic athletes that you can increase that strength. So, and it's not, we're changing the way the brain controls the muscles and they also get less fatigued. So there's quite a few little tips, but it's not just movement and it's not just strength. Like even things like, people that can't cope with a lot of sensory input. And, and that's happening more and more these days where people can't stand very noisy environments or they can't cope with flashing lights. And, 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 and again, this can be because your brain is struggling to interpret what you see and hear. And we know again that adjusting the spine can improve that. And this can become quite relevant for older adults, uh, for falls risk, for being able to just do their daily activities of living, uh, just being able to stay independent. And there's some really interesting studies in older adults that uh, a chiropractic care can help them from this decline that can happen with age. So this decline of being able to look after yourself and live independently doesn't have to happen. That's, so, that's exactly what I was just thinking about, Dr. Heidi, when you said the, the older population, because their balance is crucial. And as you just said, that coordination, the mobility, and as you said, flexibility plays a major role. If you're an athlete down to just being someone who wants to take a nice long walk in the neighborhood, but you're, you're aging and your balance might be a little bit off. Could you just, you, you touched on that and I think it's a fascinating topic. Why as we age, does our balance change? Because, uh, because again, of these small changes within the nervous system, that it's, it's not an easy question to answer, but just to give you for an example, um, the, the brain starts to rely, for, for balance, you use usually three things. You use your vestibular organs in your inner ear, which is kind of like your balance, but you also use proprioceptive signals, it's called. That's, that's the body signals so that your brain knows where your body parts are and how they're moving. And then it uses vision. So it, it sees its environment. What we know happens when we age is the brain starts to rely less on the proprioceptive signals from the body. And that may be because of injuries. That may be because of small knocks. And, and so it starts to rely more and more on the vestibular and the visual system. And it also we know that it takes longer for older people, some older people, at least the ones that are at risk of falling, start to unimodally integrate 
integrate information. So they only think of one modality at a time. Mm -hmm. They struggle to integrate, say, sound and vision together. They would, they would first process sound and then, or first process vision and then the sounds. And, and, and because it takes longer, they can then be again at risk of falling. And this is why it's so interesting, because again, we've shown in studies that if you adjust older adults, they become better and faster at integrating multimodal information. So they could integrate sound and visual information accurately and faster when they got under chiropractic care. This was a three month period of chiropractic care. In the same study, they were also shown to take a faster compensatory step. And that was quite remarkable. But prior to that, there's the only study that's shown anything vaguely near the improvement that we saw was like a six month exercise program. So and here was wow. three months of chiropractic care showed a, a greater impact on their ability to take a fast step. So if you're starting to fall, you need to sense that. And these are the things that we're changing with chiropractic care. The brain becomes more accurately aware of, oh, we're having a trip or a fall. And they're able to integrate the sound and visual information faster. So they're, they're, they're quicker at picking up on something's not quite right here. And they're faster at taking that compensatory step. And this is why it's like we are optimizing the brain's ability to perceive what's going on and respond appropriately as fast as possible. So this is particularly useful for older adults that are at risk of falling. Fantastic. And you, you said something that I think most of us who are, you know, we're all, we're all getting older each day. And as we start to anticipate that we know our balance is going to be challenged, I think, as you said, we have a responsibility in and of itself to continue to work on our balance. If yeah. I heard you correctly, that the, the brain itself can be programmed to work with the spine, that a chiropractor can be of assistance in that, but taking control over utilizing your balance, I see often in the park, you know, older, older seniors doing Jigong and yoga. And I smile because I think they're taking control of something that's so important because if you I don't do Jigong. it, yeah, that Tai Chi and Qigong have been shown to be so, so beneficial. Again, it's a connector between the brain and the body. That's literally what those exercises are. It's a fantastic thing to do. And again, a lot of research on that. But I'd highly recommend thinking about chiropractic care as a connector between the brain and the body. It's not something that you necessarily need to feel. Usually most patients absolutely love it. So once you get under chiropractic care, it feels like one of those things. I just feel better. And people can feel better, they can sleep better, they can cope better, they can move better, they have better coordination, better awareness of their body. And, and some people even feel like they have better relationships with others. And we can actually explain all of that now because of this connection with that prefrontal cortex. So it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's an, it's an eye-opening time in, in research where we're starting to understand the, the benefits of keeping that spine moving. And that can be with Tai Chi, with exercises, with Qigong, uh, with yoga exercises, uh, mindfulness meditation. If you think about it, it's also about connecting, being present in your body. And, and a lot of these things have a very similar effect. I think exercise, meditation, Tai Chi, yoga, Qigong, chiropractic care is all having a similar effect of helping your brain be more accurately aware of what's going in, on in your body, being able to calm the system down so that you can function at your best. So I, I, I recommend all of them. You said it best, it's about connection and it's about our audience connecting with not just thinking about 
pain, but thinking about wellness and that connection between how the brain responds to the body. It's, it's an incredibly important area of investigation. And I cannot thank you enough for bringing awareness of the brain, awareness of the opportunities that we can all take small steps, whether it's posture, working with our, our younger population, or it's balance and we're working with our older population. These all come together. So there's a little bit of everything in this podcast for everyone. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Heidi, for joining us again, because you were such a hit on our first podcast. We had to bring you back. So thank you. I look forward to having you again. I know our listeners would as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. What a fantastic opportunity to hear from Dr. Heidi. Just talk about how the brain relates to the spine. That's what a lot of us really didn't put together. And now we have ways to which we can go and impact our day. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Adjusted Reality, a podcast series trusted by The Adjusted. As we spoke to Dr. Heidi Havik about the science behind the brain. This podcast was brought to you by the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress. If you're feeling inspired to learn more about chiropractic or find a doctor of chiropractic near you, visit f4cp.org slash find a doctor. Don't forget to subscribe, share the podcast with friends, rate and review. We appreciate your support and look forward to checking in with you again soon.